0: The Orange FM episode of Bad Wolf Radio, a discussion and review podcast all about Doctor Who. I am one of your hosts, Aaron Goins, and I'm here with the man who doesn't feel special unless you take him to the moon, Adam Farmer.
1: Uh, I was, yeah, I I, I feel like I say it every week. I wasn't expecting that one. That one, <laughs> I like that one. I don't feel special until you take me to the moon, and someday I want to go to the moon. <laughs>
0: that's That's awesome. Well done. Well done. <laughs> So, how you been, Adam?
1: I've been doing good. Uh, I feel like life isn't complete now because I need to go to the moon. I feel like this entire week, everything I've done isn't worth it because I haven't gone to the moon. But yeah, outside of that, everything's going well.
0: How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Are you still recovering from RetroCon? Oh, I'm I'm ready for the next one, which is New York Comic Con coming up uh, in a couple days for me. This is as we're recording this; it's Tuesday. I will be leaving my house around probably 4 a.m. on Thursday, head to the train station in New Jersey, take the train up to New York, and I will be there from Thursday until Sunday at New York Comic Con.
1: Now, are you manning a booth up there? Not not a Bad Wolf radio podcast booth, but are you helping out with a another booth up there?
0: Yeah, the um, a friend of mine actually owns a company called Acid Free Gallery, and they do officially licensed uh, limited edition fine art prints for for Hasbro um, and other companies as well. But So the bulk of the stuff that he's going to have up at New York Comic Con this year, if anybody's listening to this, if you're interested, if you're going to New York Comic Con, um, I would recommend checking out his booth. Um, it's booth 603. And we will be selling uh, limited edition GI Joe uh, Transformers Voltron, and even My Little Pony if you're into that um, prints. So it's really cool stuff. He gets a lot. He has a lot of fans that come there and check him out. So I will be working that booth. Uh, he he actually pays my way to go to New York Comic Con if I if I agree to help him at his booth. So
1: that that's awesome. I, I th- in fact. Looking at the New York Comic Con website, if you go to the um, Exhibitor Exclusives, he is one of those that are featured on the exclusives. So it, I, I, I was wondering if that was going to be um, what you were doing up there. I know that you've done that in the past. That's, that's really neat that you get to be up there working with that again. He has some pretty awesome looking stuff.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Unfortunately, because I'll be working a booth, it means I don't get to see as many of the cool you know, things I want to see around the convention. But he's he's usually pretty cool about letting me wander away from the booth from time to time and go to some panels and things like that. So I still will be on the lookout for cool Doctor Who stuff. Um, I'm also a big Star Wars fan, so I'll be up there looking at all the Star Wars stuff going on as well. Um, but yeah, so that that convention's coming up. RetroCon is behind me. New York Comic Con is, is right in front of me.
1: That's awesome. I'm I'm excited to hear how that goes. Um, always always fun to hear you, kind of uh, debrief after a comic con. Um, hopefully you'll be able to jump in on some of the awesome things that are going on up there and snag some great Doctor Who cosplayers.
0: Yep, I will be. I'll, I'll I'll take some pictures. I'll put them on Facebook on the on the Bad Wolf Radio page, and then I'll see you know whatever I can take in, and then one next episode I'll I'll report back.
1: Awesome. Looking forward to it. So, uh, sh- should we jump right into some of the things that have hit the wire between last recording and this recording?
0: Yeah, what's what's going on in the, the news world of Doctor Who right now, Adam?
1: Not much, not much at all. Uh, <laughs> kind of like last week, there's not much to discuss, but one thing that did catch my eye, uh, we've talked about it in the past, um, I wanted to bring up the ratings again, the ratings of the episodes, the... Audience has been pulled, and where would you think? And I we talked about this, so this is a little bit unfair, but I was I found it interesting how the episodes lined up with each other. So, right now, this isn't going back to the most recent episode, Kill the Moon, but it does go back to Caretaker, Time Heist, and then back to the beginning. Um, what did you think of how those things lined up?
0: So, I'm looking at the list right now, and it doesn't surprise me the way it lines up. I don't necessarily agree with these ratings um, because one of my favorite episodes, as I've said before, is Robot of Sherwood, and that is still coming in dead last. So that that is upsetting to me. I thought that was a good episode. Um, but I can see how it lines up. It makes sense. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with the other five episodes, but that one, Robot of Sherwood, should not be the last one.
1: So I gotta, I have to ask you, where would you put Robots of Sherwood, considering the list that we have in front of us? And just so everybody knows, the breakdown of the list thus far is Listen First, Then Deep Breath, Into the Dalek, Time Heist, The Caretaker, and Robot of Sherwood. Where would you put Robot of Sherwood in that list?
0: I'd probably put it right below Listen.
1: Really? So in the second spot?
0: Yeah. I think I actually agree with this list, other than that. So if I moved Robot of Sherwood up to number two, so then it would be Listen, Robot of Sherwood, then Deep Breath. Um, I would that would be my list. I would agree with almost the entire thing.
1: Nice. That's that's. Uh,
0: and I would that's... put spoiler alert: Kill the Moon dead last. <laughs> but we'll get to that.
1: Spoiler alert! What I found interesting looking at how this li- list breaks down: um, the first four episodes, so listen, deep breath, into the Dalek and Robot of Sherwood. The first four that we've watched, um, they're all kind of mixed up in the in this list. But then, what you what you can see from episode five and six, they are slowly kind of staying in the order that they've been watched, so they're kind of decreasing. Um, Time Heist, not as high as all the rest of them. And then Caretaker falls below that. I'm wondering um, kind of what you referred to. If we're going to see Kill the Moon fall probably even lower than Robot of Sherwood. I've read a couple reviews, um, a handful of reviews on Kill the Moon. Not too much positive stuff being said about... Uh, this most current episode that we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, so yeah, well, we'll uh, moving along from there, did you also see the Gareth Roberts best episode poll?
0: I actually didn't scroll that far down in the article. It... <laughs> Let me well, look at that.
1: He's he's the he's the writer of the caretaker. So the episode before Kill the Moon. And they kind of went through some of the episodes, other episodes that he's written and had the ranking of where his episodes go together. I just wanted to mention it because one of my all-time favorite episodes is considered the, his best episode that he, that he ever wrote. Um, and then surprisingly, The Caretaker, which they have it co- co-written because kind of what we discussed last time, Stephen Moffat's na- Stephen Mo- Stephen name appears to be showing up everywhere Um, But that comes in a second. Uh, Just taking a quick look at the list. Do you think the rest of the episodes, which would be the Unicorn and the Wasp, um, (laughs) that's the Agatha Christie episode, correct? Yep. Yep. And then the Shakespeare Code, Planet of the Dead, and Closing Time, um, which is also the other episode that includes Craig from The Lodger. Does that seem like it makes sense to you? Does that order feel very uh, Aaron as far as how you'd put it?
0: I think that um, one of my favorite Doctor Who episodes of all time is The Shakespeare Code. So I would actually put that one number one. And I think that actually kind of lines up with my my enjoyment of the ro- Robot of Sherwood episode because I like the historical episodes. I like the ones where he goes into the past. doesn't seem like whoever's voting on this stuff agrees with me, <laughs> but I like it when he goes back in time as opposed to into the future. So, yeah, Shakespeare Code I is my favorite Gareth Roberts episode. I agree with you on The Lodger. That's another really good one. I would put that as number two. Um, and then the rest of these aren't – none of the rest of them are really any of my favorites. Um, Planet, Planet of the Dead was kind of that standalone story that happened with the Tenth Doctor right before he regenerated. Yep. And that one was just kind of a throwaway story in my mind. And I, In fact, when I tell people – because that's one of those ones that's not necessarily on Netflix – Right, and I just tell people they can skip it.
1: Yeah, so, I remember you telling me that I could skip it, and I just <laughs> couldn't. So and I you were like, it "How dare Amazon. you, sir?" <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: But it just has nothing to do with you know all the big events that are happening at that time with the tenth doctor. You know there is nothing in that episode that ties in. Like it's just a standalone adventure with a standalone companion who has yep. nothing to do with anything else. It is a complete throwaway story.
1: I was kind of bummed though because I really liked her.
0: Yeah, she was all right. But, <laughs> so. but yeah, Shakespeare code one of my favorites. Wish that showed up at the top. Sad that it falls under both the caretaker and the unicorn and the wasp. Oh my goodness. I don't agree. <laughs> don't agree with that at all. But
1: but that's a historical episode.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. With a giant wasp.
1: Yes. Okay. Move move right along. I just wanted to bring that up. I thought it was interesting uh, looking at the current episodes and where they have fallen in the list. Really interested to see where Kill the Moon goes in there. I think we both have our own thoughts as far as where it should be, but we'll have to wait and see. I'm sure they'll publish a new one come next week after uh the next episode mummy on the orient express so we'll have to take a look at that next episode moving right along though considering the substance of this episode very tense when it comes to kill the moon there's been quite a few new uh articles posts what have you written about whether doctor who is getting too scary and we've already had this big discussion is it family friendly is it intended for kids is it getting too scary what i found interesting is that people are starting to ask if doctor who is starting to sacrifice plot for the scariness what are your thoughts there do you feel like the story is weakened because they're trying to put the emphasis on a good scare here and
0: there i don't think it is i mean i feel like the scary elements has has always been part of Doctor Who, at least with the modern series. Um, I'm not. As... We could
1: probably argue for the the classics as well. It's just there, <laughs> the appearance of scary has definitely changed over time, <laughs>
0: right? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not as versed on the classics. So I don't want to speak to that. I don't know. You know, I, I've watched a lot of the first Doctor but beyond that I don't know as much. I did see a 7th Doctor episode though, the only 7th Doctor episode I saw. Um and I can't remember the title of the the storyline, but it was basically uh zombie vampires coming out of the water.
1: Yeah, that would freak me out. So
0: that's scary. And that w- <laughs> So yeah, I think it's always just been an element of Doctor Who. It's just part of it. You know, there's so many elements that are kind of part of the core of Doctor Who and I think one of those elements is just scary episodes and and I've never really thought of it as being that scary they I mean it's they have creepy elements they have you know scary monsters weeping angels or space germ spiders but in the end the episodes are still very lighthearted um and cheesy enough that you kind of never really get too scared it's not like a horror movie you know
1: Right, right. It's
0: like Scooby-Doo so, scary.
1: <laughs> you're always waiting for someone to get unmasked in the <laughs> end. So out of curiosity, do you think the emphasis that we're seeing placed on Doctor Who being scary has anything to do with the less lighthearted Doctor?
0: I don't think so. Um, there have been a lot of, of intense episodes so far this season in I guess what you would you know, consider scary. Uh, maybe more so with this doctor early on than than with other doctors, but i don 't know maybe it is maybe that is part of what the tone that they 're trying to set right now with the darkness of the doctor you know maybe reflects the darkness of you know what he 's facing as well
1: uh, I wonder if it even intensifies it like we we 've had Smith and Tennant who were both at the end of the day, they had their own quirks and they had the potential of being goofy. Um, Even within blink, we have Smith um, talking on the video and that interaction on that DVD was comical one way or the other. Um, And then him showing up in the past and walking up to the guy on the street and all that, the interactions were still comical. I'm wondering since Capaldi almost completely lacks that comic element if the tension that does have the, I don't know, it can build. I wonder since there's none of those moments to kind of cut it, uh, to kind of give you a moment to breathe, if that just makes these fe- these episodes feel like they are scarier, but in reality they haven't really gotten any different. Um,
0: I don't know. Maybe. I mean, what episodes so far out of the ones that have, have come out, like which ones would you say, okay, that is a scary episode of Doctor Who? I didn't feel like Listen really turned out to be as scary as the previews made it look.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that That is because of your take on how the episode ended. I still think that there was something under that bed. Um, there were moments. And I think maybe that's the key, which I think blows my theory out of the water. Because then it the entire episode, you're right. It doesn't have that t- intensity building. Um, yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think, I, I think, the I closest- think you're right. I think, um, you know, the one we're about to talk about, Kill the Moon, may be actually the scariest of the episodes so far. And it wasn't really that scary in my mind, but yeah, the, the whole idea of these spiders eating people, you know, and we'll get to it, but that was more scary to me than this phantom thing that the doctor thought was under the blanket. Awesome. Um... <laughs> so I, don't, I'm just, I guess what I'm saying is. If people keep talking about, oh, is it too scary, I don't feel like there's really been a scary episode yet this season that you know, other than maybe Kill the Moon. I don't feel like the rest of the episodes have really been scary. Makes sense. (laughs) Do you disagree? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you're disagreeing, but you don't you're just like, well
1: No, I'm like I'm you honestly have me thinking back through like.
0: Now I want to pull that list back up. Let's look at let's look at each episode because I want to talk about it. Let's um, do. What was the. Uh, here we go.
1: So listen. Listen so let's, is that. Let's top start of the at rest.
0: the beginning. Let's start at the beginning. Um, deep breath. Deep breath. Not scary, right?
1: Um, there were moments. Clara being stuck down there.
0: You're right. Um, you're right.
1: The robots, as she has to hold her breath and try to walk out, and then her waking up and basically saying, I really hope you're behind me, um, had some definite tense scary elements there i mean to the point that i thought she was going to die in that
0: episode okay you know what i completely i wasn't thinking about that element where they were down in the bottom of that restaurant and yeah that was scary
1: and there's something really freaky about skin wrapped around someone like a robot like and the way
0: skin. the way those things were moving yeah you, know, like you could hear the click clack and stuff yeah that was scary okay
1: uh, okay so, so one next, episode the dalek. first
0: episode was scary into the dalek not scary
1: no, I agree. Not okay.
0: scary. Next episode was Robot of Sherwood.
1: Robot of Sherwood.
0: Definitely not scary. No, not scary. Funny, not scary.
1: Yep, agreed.
0: And uh, then, Time Heist. Oh no, listen.
1: Listen was next.
0: So I listen. Would
1: scary elements
0: had scary elements. Okay.
1: The grabbing of the foot, the whole, the whole buildup of that from the very start, where the chalk disappears, something's written on the board um to recounting of the dreams and then showing up at the children's home and his interaction with the caretaker and stuff happening there they built it up really really well um right up to the point where the whatever it was was on the bed i would say quite a few scary elements in there
0: okay time heist um other than the brain melting
1: not scary but it had some definite tension
0: it was more like an action film yeah and yep. it did have a couple scary moments, but I would I wouldn't say the episode as a whole was a scary episode. No,
1: nope, not scary.
0: Caretaker, no. It was no. scary for Danny. <laughs> it was scary for Danny's emotions.
1: It it was scary when he did a flip. I didn't think he was going to land it. <laughs> <laughs> no, not scary.
0: And then we'll just we'll go ahead and include Kill the Moon as well.
1: Yeah, Kill the Moon. I would say that it it, it had its moments.
0: Yeah, I would give Kill the Moon a scary a scary label so that's what three three of the seven episodes that uh, is a lot
1: yeah three of the seven it's almost is... half so it's, okay.
0: <laughs> it's almost half <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yep 3.5 of the episodes were scary <laughs> yeah
0: so okay it's you've convinced at... me I, i'm not gonna say it's too scary i don't think there's a problem with it but yeah there has been a lot of scary stuff in the season
1: and just you wait until the next episode just you wait
0: mummy yeah mummy on the oran express mummies are supposed to be scary they
1: are um cool so we'll go ahead and just lay that one to rest who knows we'll probably bring it up if people keep on writing articles about it um that that takes it to all the news that might be worth noting there didn't seem to be all that much else happening i think all the casting's done so we don't have any casting rumors coming up um all the synopsis have already posted, so I'm sure we've all seen those by now. Um, and right now, it's just reviews and mentions and all sorts of other stuff about the current and previous episodes.
0: Well, we've kind of already started talking about the episode Kill the Moon throughout you know, our discussions that we've been having about the news. It, it seems to have have found its way into the conversation already. So let's just jump right into the the uh, review of Kill the Moon. Series 8, Episode 7, writer Peter Harness, director Paul Wilmhurst, and the year
1: twenty forty nine. <laughs>
0: the moon. So, years twenty forty nine, like you said, um, we get a, we get this very interesting opening that I I feel like it's been used in Doctor Who recently, but they kind of start in the future or they start like at the end and then they jump back to the beginning kind of thing. So we get the scene where Claire is talking. To the people of Earth, and saying that this decision needs to be made, um, and then obviously it jumps back, you know, in time, and then we get to kind of see the story build up to that moment. So, did you did, were you on the edge of your seat with this with this uh, Claire looking into the camera with her puppy dog eyes, you know, begging people f- to help her make this decision?
1: Um, it's interesting that you bring that up because as I was watching it, um, we kind of. My wife was watching with me how I've been watching most of these episodes. Um, and she's like, what, what just happened? And I just said, it seems like they've become very fond with this. I'm going to show you what happens in the future. And then I'm going to tell you how we got there type of um, plot tool, plot device. Um, so it's funny that you bring it up. It does seem like something that this season... Maybe – I don't know if it's just this season especially or starting here recently that they really have started to enjoy the here's what's going to happen. So now let's lead you up to that point in time. Um, I wasn't really on the edge of my seat. I was wondering what was going to happen just because of the title, Kill the Moon, um, what decision they were going to have to make. I was more wrapped up in – they show Courtney there. So I'm like, okay, I need to know – Kind of like what we talked last week, how in the world does Courtney get there? And then she does mention um, that the doctor isn't there. And so that did suck me in because I wanted to know, okay, where has the doctor gone off to? Why is he not coming back? Um, And I kind of spent the rest of the episode wondering um, at different moments, does he? is this where he disappears? Is this where he dies? Is this where something happens? Um, But yeah, I can't say I was on the edge of my seat.
0: Yeah, that's the part that kind of that roped me in as well was the fact that she mentioned that the man who can help us is not here and obviously we know she's talking about the doctor. So that was kind of like, okay, you know, I'm interested. Let's see. Let's see what happens here. So, um it worked for me uh that type of opening, but yeah, I do think they're overusing it a little bit.
1: Yeah, and then from that point we get to the uh intro And then from that, we're back on Earth, and the doctor and Clara are having a discussion about Courtney. And the doctor says, what is Courtney? (laughs) Which I I found that he said what as opposed to who enough to give me a chuckle. Um, And then Clara basically tells the doctor how Courtney has gone off the rails and has become quite a disturbance, which I thought she was in the first place, ever since the doctor told her. That she was not special.
0: Yeah, I did. Oh man, this was what I was afraid of with this character. Um, I didn't want a you know a teenager on the TARDIS. I knew this was coming because we saw it in the previews. I did not like the idea of this character being uh, you know part of the story, but and then just the fact that the whole reason why that she even becomes part of the adventure is because she's whining. And that she's whining about not feeling special, and it's just like, oh, like it just—I just wasn't a fan. Yeah, I'm with you there. I—I I mean, if you took along every teenager that that whined about not being special on a, tri- <laughs> on a trip, the doctor would be bringing you know every teenager he runs across. Like, I just didn't get that as a good motivation to 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 bring her along.
1: Yeah, completely agree. The one thing that kind of struck me about this scene where Claire's like, just tell her she's special. And then and then Courtney jumps into the, you can't just take me away like that. You don't understand you kicked a hole in my life. Um, and you don't even think I'm special and all this other stuff. It might just be me, but I'm, I kind of appreciated just the open honesty there, especially for this doctor who, Doesn't seem like he really gives a rip about much. Um, And here we have a, a, I'm just going to call her a companion, even though I don't think she technically qualifies, (laughs) but here we have someone who is voicing what a lot of companions have felt when they find out about the previous companions, when they find when, when Amy hears about Rose or when um, Clara hears about Amy I'm sure those exact same feelings come up. I'm, I'm not special. You've had how many more of me before? Or you can't just drop me off and leave me. I mean, I've, I've gone to all these special places. How can I not continue to be a part of what's happening? Um, that was the only thing that I found interesting about that exchange. I just don't like the fact that it took place from a whiny 10th grader who wanted to be called special.
0: And But the doctor fell for it. And I don't he,
1: know if he fell for it, but he definitely had a solution to it. He Because, yeah, he doesn't think she's special. So he's like, okay, let's find some way to make you special, which I thought was kind of funny.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm still just trying to wrap my head around the – like why do you let a kid from the school that – Clara is trying to kind of stay incognito, you know, by being a teacher here. And she obviously doesn't tell anyone about the fact that she's traveling around with a time traveler, but, and she even kept it a secret from Danny, but they're so willing to bring this, (laughs) this girl that she teaches, you know, on these adventures, um, and bring her into the TARDIS. And I know it wasn't necessarily Clara's decision because the doctor is the one that really revealed it to her, but, it just doesn't seem very responsible um you know how would you trust this girl to even keep her mouth shut you know she can't even keep her mouth shut about about clara and danny you know and the things that she notices about their relationship so what what makes you think she's not going to go blabber to all her friends that she just you know ended up on the moon
1: yeah especially when she's using his psychic paper to not get into museums as, as the doctor thought but to buy um white lightning and elko pops
0: whatever that is
1: yeah I, probably something she shouldn't have but
0: yeah she doesn't seem
1: like i i completely understand what you're th- saying there and then honestly it didn't ever stick out to me which is kind of funny but um yeah that doesn't make any sense why you would bring her along with nice. when you're trying to keep everything a big secret
0: yeah so the- So the doctor's solution, I guess, to make her feel special is he takes her to the moon. He wants, he says, you know, being the first woman to walk on the moon, you know, is that going to be enough to make you feel special? And the girl's like, yeah. So they, that's what he does. He, you know, he, uh, takes the TARDIS and they, they take it to the moon. They end up not actually landing on the moon, but landing on a shuttle that's crashing to the moon.
1: And not even in the year that they originally started, but 35 years in the future.
0: Right. Which, do you think that was by accident that they ended had up that time period? Or was the doctor purposely taking them to that year?
1: We had this discussion uh, last week, right? Where you explained that you think the TARDIS just intervenes when there's an adventure to be had or something for the doctor to do. Yes. I just thought that was another one of those instances where the TARDIS, with a mind of its own, took them somewhere else.
0: Okay. Yeah, and I guess that makes sense because it was a time that the doc was the doctor was needed oh wait no he wasn't <laughs> <laughs> we'll <laughs> so, get to that yeah <laughs> but yeah so they end up there um, they meet these people that are they actually end up in uh in the shuttle that's crashing and almost immediately
1: the rest of the crew finds them in the bay of the uh of the spacecraft
0: yes which the rest of the crew ends up being um Three somewhat elderly people, I would say.
1: <laughs> the average age is probably forty-nine to fifty-six.
0: Yeah, like at least the two men definitely looked older. The, the 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 woman seemed maybe a little bit younger than the two men, but yeah, they were they were kind of um, your grandparents' astronauts, not not the young, fit type that you would expect.
1: Yeah, and they just happened to be hauling a cargo and this 1980s spacecraft
0: of um, nuclear bombs. So I'm curious about this because I never really understood why they were bringing nuclear bombs to the moon. Did they ever explain what the initial... I understand why the nuclear bombs came into play later, but did they? what was the initial reason why they were bringing them to the moon?
1: Yeah... Um I, know I don't the... think they ever explained, but I what I was what I just kind of pulled from it was the moon has increased in mass, so it now has insane gravity. So how do you remove mass from the moon but by blowing chunks of it off?
0: Oh, okay. I guess that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I didn't I didn't pick up on that part of it that they were trying to basically shrink the moon by By breaking parts of it off. Uh, They knew something was wrong with the moon. They weren't sure what. Other people had gone there ahead of them, which they referred to as the Mexicans, (laughs) uh, had gone ahead of them, weren't successful. The only thing they knew from these people was that there were screams. And it was
1: 10 years prior, which is quite a long time for there to be a gap between the first party to show up to do research on the minerals of the moon to then the second group showing up to actually take action.
0: And it's not too long into the episode that we get kind of the the scary element that we saw in the previews, which was these space spiders. Um, And we get to see, you know, both of the old guys end up getting killed pretty gruesomely by them. Um,
1: (laughs) Duke and Henry, rest in peace.
0: (laughs) But... Yeah, so these spiders, they're scary. They, they're very scary. And actually the special effects that they used for these spiders was pretty legit. Like it, it was it was the scary part of this episode, I think, was, was these spiders.
1: And it's but, the the part of the episode we're going to spend the least amount of time talking about because, yes, they were legitimately scary and they looked like legit spiders. And I absolutely hate spiders. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing, though. They weren't really spiders, were they? No, they weren't spiders. Which I was completely confused by that. Because they're spiders. They have there's webs everywhere through this, you know, this space station that's there. So they're doing spidery things. They're building webs, but then it it's revealed that they're actually germs.
1: Yeah, they are bacteria. bacteria. They are creepy, crawly things that um, I, I, I mean, I don't know the one thing that I could think of, and they kind of get into it later in the episode and they're not, they're not giant bacteria. They're very small bacteria living on something that's very, very large. Um, it's right. I I guess it's all a matter of perspective, but.
0: And I get that, but I don't get the fact or why bacteria would look like spiders and make webs like yeah. spiders
1: so, <laughs> are, so we, when I was... are we
0: to believe that the bacteria that that is all around us you know or in our in our own bodies is actually spiders
1: they're pretty creepy <laughs> so when i was like seven we did this disease type of science experiment where we cultured our own diseases in our basement which now that i think of it it was a really bad idea Um, but we watched them grow and form in these cultures in a glass jar in our basement, Um, probably left them for too long. And then we probably exposed of them or disposed of them in very bad ways um, by just throwing them away as opposed to like burning them or something. So I might've created a super disease in my basement that I don't even know about, but long story short, they do form these weird structures when you let them just grow. Um, So that's the only thing that I could say, like, Maybe again perspective. When they're really big, it looks like spider webs. But when it's really small, it doesn't really look like spider webs. I
0: don't know. I guess the only thing I, if you're gonna tell me that it's bacteria or that it's germs, um, then make it look like something different. Like I don't. It would've been cool if it was like a scary monster that was attacking them. Um, but the fact that it looked like something that we all associate as a spider, (laughs) it just seemed like you know chances are bacteria or germs you know in any form no matter how big it is is never going to take the form of a spider you know a spider is a different thing they had eight legs they had fangs and they oh. built, they built webs yeah and they had
1: nasty mouths nasty <laughs> nasty mouths
0: and they were legitimately scary yeah but yeah they were they weren't germs like that 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 part, I just didn't make the connection why you know why they used such an obvious um organism that we're familiar with
1: so how did they find out they were germs let's talk about that
0: well they they found out because um because courtney our favorite companion since susan uh she sprayed one with the germ killer
1: yeah the germ killer from her backpack that she was going to take with her so the scene happens where they spot the spider for the first time or the germ and it's coming down the hall and it senses motion and all that jazz and they're hiding from it. And this is where we get to the scene from the, the trailer where the doctor says run when I say the word or what have you. And then the lady says, well, who made you boss? And he says, well, you say run then. Well, then they run, but Courtney can't run. Cause she starts to fly. Um, well, and somewhere in between there, Duke gets killed. So we see that these things can actually kill someone. Um, and the spider's crawling on the ceiling and the doctor rips open the door and we see that, okay, he might actually care for someone. He swings out his gravity yo-yo, Courtney grabs it. She falls flat onto the ground. The spider jumps on her and she just happens to pull out her disinfectant right at the time and sprays the thing and the thing starts to smoke. And then unlike what most normal people would be like at that point in time, she's not like, freaking out and trying to recover she laughs and says kills 99 percent of known germs
0: yeah she it was like uh like her touchdown dance she was cocky at that moment
1: yeah exactly you know,
0: it wasn't yeah there was no fear she was pretty scared up until the thing was dead but yeah she she kind of got a little cocky at that point like oh yeah Oh I no, kn- I, I knew
1: i'm pretty sure i'd still like freak out and run
0: oh i would have yeah yeah but um yeah, so this is another... I mean, there's a lot of things in this episode that really kind of just confused me. And what was the deal with her flying? Because I know he explained it. And I guess that was part of why he figured out it was bacteria as well was because of her, her reaction to it. But why did she fly?
1: Yeah, I had to watch that like a couple times to even... Because I had the same question. And the only thing that I could come up with is he does say something about the germ, but he's having two separate conversations at the same time. So in one sense, he's describing why what she just killed was a germ. And then on the other sense, he talks about how um, the one point, why did she fly? Well, the 1.3 billion pounds or what, what have you mass just shifted. And because it shifted the gravity changed. So he's like, figuring out that these are germs. But in the other sense, he's still figuring out what's happening to the moon. And so he's ha- he has these two separate like thought streams going in his head and they just get mixed up so that we're all led to believe that the germ has something to do with her flying. When in actuality, like the room shook and all this other stuff because the mass shifted, because of what we find out later on in the episode. And because the mass shifted, gravity changed and it just happened to cause her to float at that exact moment that the germ showed up.
0: But she wasn't the only thing in the room, but she was the only thing that floated.
1: Yeah, I didn't understand that
0: either. <laughs> yeah, it just...
1: It's a gravity well.
0: To me, it was such an unnecessary thing to happen because it didn't add any clarity to the situation. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I was just like, what? Like, why did they even have her fly? But Yeah, yeah.
1: it did nothing more than to make it so she couldn't get away. Yeah. And it wasn't appreciated.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, they get out of there and and basically, you know, Clara at this point is like, all right, you know, Courtney wants to go home. Clara is ready to go home. (laughs) Like, let's get out of here. You know, there's scary spiders or something going on with the moon, but we know the moon's okay. You know, the future, you know, there's a moon in the future. So we know this is going to work out. So can't we leave? And this is kind of an interesting part because the doctor pretty much says, no, we can't leave because I don't know what happens. There's moments in time that I cannot see, like basically implying that even though he has, even though he has experienced the future, there's certain areas that are cloudy to him that he can't necessarily remember what happens or how it happens. So he still needs to stay to make sure that everything goes okay. Yeah. Did this surprise you? Like this is kind of a new element to kind of Doctor Who lore, at least in my mind. I, I don't remember this ever coming up.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Like we have the fixed points in time that can be changed a la Pompeii. So we can't change this event. This is what always happens. I can't do anything about it. But now we have these gray points in time where they are little eye blinks that happen where it's just foggy. He has no idea what happens. He doesn't know if he's supposed to be there. He doesn't know if he's not supposed to be there, but he doesn't know what happens. Um, completely new. I, it explains a lot <laughs> of, of questions when now you can just chalk it up to, oh, this is one of those, those gray moments. That's why the doctor doesn't know what happens here. Um, So it's super convenient, but kind of like what you said, completely new, or at least it feels completely new.
0: Yeah, definitely a convenient thing now that I believe will come back because now that Moffat has this new toy that he can play with, you know, this is this'll just be something I'm sure that'll come up again.
1: Oh sure. Just think of all the all the new events that we can find ourselves in. Everything that can and everything that can potentially become a story or change or what have you. It's just another little eye blink. It's a foggy gray area.
0: So fast forwarding a little bit, we get the scene where the doctor he's trying to figure out what's going on. They're on the surface of the moon and he I think he doesn't he use his yo yo to kind of like go down into this area and then it comes back and it's like it's um fluid it's got fluid on it and they're like wait there's no water on the moon and he's like it's not water it's amniotic fluid yes and i think it's
1: surprising that they're like there's no water on the moon well there weren't spiders on the moon either but look here they are um (laughs) but yeah he found amniotic fluid on the on the moon what all life comes from
0: Yep, and so this leads to us, you know, finding out, you know, kind of the big reveal that the moon is an egg, and inside of the moon, there is this gigantic creature that is hatching, and that's the whole problem. That's what's been going on with the moon. You know, that's why the moon's expanding. That's why it's, you know, things are getting all messed up with the tides on Earth, and people are dying. It's because there's this gigantic creature that is inside of the egg moon. Yeah. And my and... reaction to that is what? <laughs> like this this at this point I'm just kind of like I feel like Doctor Who you know I I can give it the fact that it it does these outlandish stories or it you know gets cheesy from time to time. But man, this is so far fetched.
1: Yeah, it's almost on par with um Statue of Liberty as the Weeping Angel.
0: Yes. Um... It, well, it's mu- it's much worse in my mind, but yes. It's, I don't think I can look – like I can't watch another episode of Doctor Who that has the moon in it without thinking of this.
1: The only reference that I have in my mind, um, because he boots up the hologram thing and it shows the the moon as the egg and the creature inside of it. Do you remember the 11th uh, episode where they have the space whale?
0: I do remember the episode.
1: So that's the only thing that it's like, oh – this is a space whale and an egg. That's where they come from. Other than the fact that the doctor has no idea what this thing is.
0: But you're not saying that you think it's a space whale.
1: I think it's a space whale.
0: No, they show the, the thing at the end. It looks like a dragon chicken.
1: Yeah, it's a different kind of space whale. <laughs> whales come in all... Sh- it could have been a space narwhal or the equivalent <laughs> of it. There's it, all sorts
0: of types of whales. Yeah, but it had wings
1: yeah and there's some fish that have wings it was not a space whale (laughs) it's a star whale for goodness sake it was a space dragon
0: or something but no Uh, yeah so i this is so i'm I'm already not okay with this at this point you know the fact that the moon is an egg yeah i i I feel like i'm i I blamed it on moffat but then i realized he didn't write this episode (laughs) I was kind of imagining like Moffat like sitting out on his front porch one day. He's looking up in the sky and he sees the moon and he's like, huh, that kind of looks like an egg. (laughs) And then this, you know, this is born out of that, you know, like I now need to write a story about the moon being an egg. But I can't do that with Sherlock because that doesn't make sense. Oh, but I have Doctor Who. So I don't know if this was like, you know, we were talking about before, like he seems to have his hands in kind of the direction of all the stories, even though he may not have written this. I don't know. Like, where do you even come up with this idea?
1: Well, well, no, see, that's that's a great way to look at it. The other way to look at it is how would you like to be the one pitching this idea in the room for Doctor Who, where it's like and then we find out the moon is an egg. And like, how can you be, be in that room and be like, oh, yeah, great idea. Let's do this. Um
0: yeah I have and have Courtney come along too yeah <laughs> that's even have,
1: better have Courtney come along and she can keep on insisting that lots of things lay eggs
0: like a chicken a
1: chicken could lay an egg that's yeah it it was it was a bit much um and then where this goes from there is the big discussion between <laughs> as soon as they find out that it's there the lady astronaut which, do we ever know, learn her name? I don't think we ever learn her name um, throughout the entire episode. But anyways, she asks, how do we kill it?
0: Um, right, the first reaction that she has is she wants to kill the thing. Yep. Which I think may be the smartest thing that anyone said in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> it was logical. And I, I understand, like, we'll get to all, you know, you know, the morality of whatever. And we'll get to the fact that, you know, They ended up being right, but if you have this giant creature that's inside of the moon and if you let it hatch, the moon's going to be destroyed, which is going to cause, you know, massive damage to the earth. And there's a possibility of the thing, you know, you don't know what type of creature it's going to be, so it could just fly down to earth and just start killing people. It could be a space dragon that just burns the entire earth, (laughs) feeds
1: on the sun.
0: So, yeah, I mean I think the 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 logical conclusion to that is you fix the problem, you you kill it. Um and I and I know there's like the whole morality of, you know, it's an innocent life and, you know, it can't help the fact that it's doing what it's doing, but I kind of was on board with her with this. At this point, I was on board with her. What was your initial reaction when you got this this big dilemma between killing it or not killing it? Were you kind of leaning one way or the other or are you just waiting to see what happened i
1: i thought it was i thought it was interesting from from the first go with her comment how do we kill it it's so doctor who because he's always he's always coming at humans for being like that's all you do you always kill it you never let it live or what have you um but i'm kind of with you even the line that Clara tosses out at the beginning that she then tosses out later in the episode where she's like one innocent life um, or the basically the whole human existence moving forward. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's kind of, like, <laughs> I would have a hard time not being like, Okay, let's blow up this massive thing that has already killed hundreds of people around the world to save the rest of human existence. Drop the nukes and let it go. But that's very, I guess, human of me to
0: say. Yeah, it's us us humans, we don't know any better than to kill know. things, apparently. But no, I mean and I get the moral dilemma and I kinda liked the the kind of back and forth because it is a tough decision to make, you know. You to in order to save millions. You have to kill one life and, you know, but you're still killing something and it's still, you know, it's still a hard decision to make. And I, I got that. Um, but it was interesting because at this point the doctor kind of decides, you know what, I'm going to let these humans make this decision on their own. And he, he literally abandons them, um, much to Claire, you know, she's not very happy about this. You know, he's leaving her to kind of make this decision. Courtney comes back. The astronaut lady's still there, so you have these three women that are making this decision, you know, basically for the future of humanity. And the doctor just leaves them.
1: Yeah, there's a lot that takes place in there because the doctor refuses to help make the decision. There's even that line about, uh, like, we had dinner back in 1930s, and we never stopped by afterwards to kill Hitler. I've never killed Hitler, and then we have the whole episode of let's kill Hitler. Um, and then he tells her that it's time to take the stabilizers off your bike. Courtney shows back up and he's like, teenage school teacher and an astronaut. Some decisions are too important to not make on your own. Um, yeah. And then he splits. It's, it's really interesting, especially taking into consideration kind of what we've always had with the doctor where he shows up and whether it's his planet or not, whether it's his people or not, whether they're human or not, he's there to help. And here we have the doctor taking off.
0: Yep, taking off, leaving Clara. You know, clearing out, (laughs) leaving her with this tough decision. And you know, it basically comes down to her, and, and you know, she's starting to try to get information, which is smart. You know, trying to figure out. Okay, let's say we do, we do let the the moon get destroyed. What does that mean? You know, is that. Is that going to, what is that going to mean to Earth? And, and, you know, kind of the the response to that is, oh, the tides, you know, whatever, more people are going to die, but we will survive it, you know, so lots of people are going to die, but the Earth as a whole will survive. Um, And they really can't come to a conclusion. So they decide, you know, they're going to let the Earth vote, right?
1: Yep. Let the Earth vote because everybody (laughs) is up for a democratic process.
0: (laughs) which you know another part of the episode that really had me head desking was this this idea that she could in with a 45 minute time limit could contact, <laughs> could contact the the population of earth and get them to turn off their lights because they can see the earth from where they're at so they can see kind of the the lights of the earth
1: they can so, see the they can see the earth through binoculars
0: so, so the idea is if you want the thing to die, then turn off your lights. If you want it to live, leave your lights on. And we will see and we'll we'll take a, a vote based on the lights going off or leaving them on. And then we'll just dis- determine what to do, right? Yeah, makes perfect sense. Makes no sense. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not like everybody has access. Like um, The majority of the lights that you see on Earth are not be- from people's houses. They're from major cities. So there's people that have control of the power grid. It's not like everybody is going to have a say. So it's just going to be a small portion of people, you know, who happen to be, you know, have that power to to make that decision. So it's still not very democratic at all. And the fact that you could even insinuate that 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 you would be able to mobilize people in 45 minutes to actually take care of that. <laughs> I don't know. It it just seemed very far-fetched. And the fact the, that the, the lights th- all literally started turning off at the same time. You know, it was this very coordinated effort. Um, yeah, that would never, never happen. But
1: Yeah, the poor thing was doomed because it was bedtime.
0: Everybody <laughs> yeah. was
1: like, oh, turn off the TV before the message even showed. And then they all went to bed and turned off their lights. <laughs> poor thing. Never stood a chance.
0: Yeah, so it was kind of, that was a very far-fetched idea that that would actually work. But it didn't end up mattering. Because even though the entire Earth decided to turn off their lights and voted to kill the thing, which I think, you know, we we kind of both agreed was maybe the most logical thing to do, kill the beast. So we thought you should kill it. The astronaut lady thought you should kill it, and the entire Earth voted to kill it. Yes, but Clara took it into her own hands, and at the very last second, with some with some prodding from Courtney, decides to disarm the bombs and not kill him she made the decision for the entire earth she did she made the decision for the entire earth and then the doctor shows back up
1: and then the doctor immediately shows back up says one two three get in here right now
0: get in here we got to go watch a moon explode (laughs) on the beach yes don't worry about the tides there
1: are no tides we're going to the beach (laughs) (laughs) that's the crazy thing as she's watching the the lights turn off on the planet Every continent is exactly like what we would see it today. So if there were some crazy, wicked tides that destroyed population centers, they must have all receded by the time that she told everybody to turn off their lights because everything looked perfectly fine on the world. And then when they land on the beach, once again, everything looks like, hey, it's how it should be. There's sawgrass, there's sand dunes, doesn't look like the water's moved much.
0: And I feel bad. I don't like tearing apart an episode like this. I mean, I, I, I know I tend to be out of the two of us. I tend to be the one that's a little bit more critical. So it's kind of expected that I'm going to look for little things to pick out. But this episode is just full of them. It's just full of things <laughs> for me to just pick apart. And I don't like doing it because I am a fan of Doctor Who. I like to enjoy it. I like to see the best in these episodes. But so far up to this point, this episode really hasn't given me anything that I can kind of say, okay... That, the whole thing with the earth turning off the lights is kind of dumb. But then there's this awesome thing that is over here. So I, I forgot about that other thing. Or you know germs looking like spiders. Yeah, that's kind of dumb. But there's this other awesome thing. There was no awesome things. Oh, well, okay. So
1: let's get to the highlight of the episode. Because they land on the beach. They see the moon open up. The space whale, the star dragon. whale, star dragon, yes. flies off. And lo and behold, it lays an egg. So, hey, look, there's a moon. And that's probably why there's moon in all the past episodes that were of future events, why there was a moon there. They have the big discussion about what happens next. And the doctor explains that because of a moment in 2049, this moment in time. Mankind decided to start looking to the stars again, because what we didn't mention is up to this point, I guess all space programs shut down. No one was reaching out to the stars anymore. Um, And that's why they didn't have all the resources to go look at the moon any earlier than 10 years after the first expedition disappeared. So he says at this point, men go to the stars, they reach for the stars and they endure till the very end of time. He grabs Courtney, throws her back into the TARDIS grabs clara throws her back in the tardis the astronaut wanders off probably to start a new space program somewhere to step foot on the new egg moon and then they end up in the tardis courtney runs off to class and then probably the strongest point of the entire episode happens
0: clara puts the doctor in his place
1: clara has it out with the doctor
0: which i think is something that is needed you know I enjoyed this moment. This was the best. This is the highlight of the episode for me. Um, I won't say that it 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 made the rest of the episode worth it because it didn't. But this moment is important. You know, this is a moment where a companion is finally fed up with the Doctor and all his antics, and you know she's calling him out for looking down on humans and. She's calling him out for kind of, you know, his almost like his savior complex that he has or, you know, he's kind of better than everybody else. And yeah, I just, I liked it. It was kind of like all the things that I've been wanting to say to Peter Capaldi the last few episodes. She was saying it for me. You know, quit being such an arrogant bleep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: definitely. So she just, she tears into him um, to the point where she's, She's questioning why he just left her and said, you as my friend, you scared me. This is not what you should be doing. This is not what should have been happening. You're treating us all like we're the tiny pathetic humans who don't know what to do at any point in time. What I found most telling about this scene is not only – how Clara tears into him and just the emotion and passion that she's going at him with. But the look of utter confusion on the doctor's face, because at at this point, the past episodes we've seen his arrogance intensify. We've seen his distance from everybody just grow even more. He's has seemed more unlike the doctor that we've come to know more than any other episode but yet when she questions him and she's just having it out at him, all of a sudden he just mellows down. And he looks utterly confused because in his mind, this was a, this was how he showed her that he respected her. He let her make the decision. He let her determine the future. It's a big deal. And he thought he was making the right decision. Um, but yet he was wrong. And he looks completely floored by that. I thought that was extremely interesting because we're no longer seeing the doctor as someone who doesn't care, who's just distanced, who could be like, who could care less whether or not Claire just walks out of the door of the TARDIS and is done with him. He was seeing her as someone who could make these decisions.
0: Yeah. And I I kind of understood where he was coming from a little bit. And I can see the logic in his mind. But yeah, I mean, he. He's, at this point, he's pushed her too far. And she's, you know, she obviously is ready to leave the TARDIS. You know, she's done. At least that's what she says at this point. She's done with him. You know, she tells him, you know, for him to go away, basically, and never come back.
1: Yeah, clear off. Clear off and never come back. Go away. Go far away. Right. I don't know. I feel bad for the Doctor. Because it's like, have you ever been in one of those situations where it's like, you're so proud of yourself. You think you made the best decision, had an amazing outcome, and then all of a sudden you find out that it was the worst possible decision you could have ever possibly made. Um, yeah, I just kind of felt bad for him. It's like, oh, dude, you screwed up big time, and I know how that feels, and I know what it's like
0: to be like, oh, stink, crap, what I do? I think this will be – I mean – it's going to be an eye-opening moment for him. Maybe it's a change, you know a, a turning point. You know, I think kind of what I said last episode, I was getting tired of how mean he was being. I thought it was funny for a while, but at the, you know as of the caretaker episode, I was just tired of it. And this episode doesn't necessarily have a lot of him being super mean, but other than the fact that he just left her, but you know as far as like some of the the things that he said to her and things like that, he wasn't as mean, but yeah, I think I think maybe this is the point where we might start to see him mellow out a little bit and start to become a nicer Doctor. I mean, it kind of happened with... Remember when we were watching the first Doctor with Hartnell and we were kind of saying, man, he's just this mean old man. But then by whatever, you know, at some point during season two, he became a much nicer character and started to appreciate his companions. And um, I kind of feel like maybe this is that turning point for this Doctor.
1: Yeah, and I hope I'm not reading too much into it (laughs) i hope i'm not seeing like the entire episode and saying okay because it wasn't the strongest episode maybe the scene is stronger than what it actually is supposed to be but i kind of feel the same way like we're at that midpoint in the season we're halfway through um could this be a a fulcrum of of the season is this where we see things start to to twist? Is this where um, we see the pivot point of the entire series? Is the doctor a different person moving forward? Is his relationship with Clara? Is his relationship with even Danny different
0: moving forward? Um, or will he I, have a relationship? Do you think, I mean, do you think that Clara is really leaving though? Or for how long?
1: I don't think she's done. Just. Uh, not only based on this episode, but based on some of the other things that we already know about the rest of the series. Um, I don't think she's done, but it does draw into question um, some of the things that we've heard about the Christmas special. Would that be Claire's last episode? Maybe maybe other things come up, and it would make sense that other things come up. And maybe come December, it is her last episode, not because something dramatic happens, but because she is one of the first um, companions that just has had enough of Doctor and she moves on of her own accord.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, they may have tipped their hand because uh, we were talking about it earlier. The synopsis for the next episode actually mentions Clara um, and you had said maybe you thought that was a misdirect. I think it was an oversight. I think that I do believe she'll be joining the Doctor very soon. Um I don't think she's going to be gone for a few episodes or anything like that. I think that she'll be back pretty fast. That's they, they may even have the in, the intro to the next episode be something where some time has passed, the doctor comes back, you know, apologetic, and then she jumps back on the TARDIS, you know, right at the beginning of the next episode.
1: I'm um, Yeah, I would I would like to think the same thing just because of the synopsis. Um, And maybe they're just doing an incredible job of hiding everything from the promo pictures, promo trailers. I'm not seeing any reference in any of that to Clara. Um, There doesn't have to be. It just seems like if there is an episode where she's not going to be involved in it, the plot and kind of the direction and thrust of this episode seems like one that would be very easy for her to be absent from. Um, I just have a really hard time thinking that after that speech, it's going to be something as simple as a two minute post intro conversation. And then she's back on the TARDIS that just doesn't, it doesn't feel right to me,
0: but Hey, it could definitely happen. Yeah, we'll see. But so, I mean, I guess I know I've been kind of bashing the episode. You haven't, you've been kind of staying. I mean, You've been kind of staying a little, you know, not really committing one way or the other. <laughs> so what did you think? I mean, were you as disappointed with this episode? Did, you know, the whole idea of the the moon being an egg, like, you know, that th- those type of things, does that bother you? Or were you just kind of like, oh, it's just another Doctor Who story?
1: Let me start by saying I was entertained. Um, From start to finish of the episode, I was entertained. Were the things that I was entertained by some of the strongest things of Doctor Who? Heck no. (laughs) This episode left a lot to be desired. Um, The start of the season had me really high hopes. I feel like even... The Caretaker was the first episode that I felt like, okay, we hit the Doctor Who doldrums of mid-season. This episode helps to helps isn't the right word. This, this episode has proved to me that this series is not, um, untouchable. That's the past two episodes by far have been weak, weak episodes. In my opinion, um, there were, have been some super interesting elements and there are some super interesting elements in this one, things that I might be looking too much at. Um, but there's definitely things that stick out to me. Um, The start of the episode with Courtney, basically how a companion feels. I'm not special. You told me I wasn't special. You take me away. And then the end with Clara basically saying, you don't look at us as being what we ought to be. You didn't trust me. You treated me like a child. Um, Two very interesting conversations bookending the episode. But I was entertained. Not the strongest episode. I could probably leave this episode and not watch it for a very, very long time.
0: Adam, I did my due diligence. I watched this episode twice. (laughs) So it wasn't just the first time. I watched it again. I paid more attention. I tried to, you know, give it a benefit of the doubt, but still the same things that bothered me the first time around bothered me the second time around. Um, I could forgive Doctor Who for bacteria spiders. That's something that I could completely forgive an episode of Doctor Who for. I've forgiven Doctor Who for worse. But that was just a tiny thing. I mean Courtney big deal for me don't like her. I hope that she is this is like it for her. I don't I don't want to see that character anymore. Um the whole idea of the moon as we know it not being what we thought it was and it's actually an egg with a giant uh space dragon inside of it that that's just such a big issue for me. I just it,
1: If we say it was a star whale is that better?
0: No. It's a dumb story idea and I'm sorry, you know, to the writer, you know, he's written some good stuff. Well, actually, I don't know if he has, I'm not, that familiar <laughs> with him. Uh, I was actually, I was, I was thinking that it was Gareth Roberts, but it's not Gareth Roberts. No, so I'm not, not sure what other things this guy's written, but yeah, I just think the idea of the story in general is just a, is a bad idea. Not, not my favorite, um, by far. And even like at the end where the dragon flies off and they're like, Oh look, it laid another egg. What? Like, that even just doesn't make sense. Like, the the dragon that was the size of the moon just laid another egg that was the size of the moon.
1: Yeah, the newborn dragon just... The newborn laid dragon that has never egg.
0: met another dragon. Yeah. Yep. It just... Everything about it. There was nothing about this episode that was good. <laughs> <laughs> Other than Clara... You know the, the the dialogue at the end with Claire and the Doctor was interesting. That I found interesting. The fact that she left the TARDIS, that's a big deal. So the last five minutes of the episode worked for me. Everything else, some of the worst Doctor Who I've seen, in my opinion. And I've seen some pretty bad Doctor Who. Wow, that's that's wow. <laughs> it is, I know I feel, I'm being very harsh, but I I'm being honest. It's just. This is not the kind of Doctor Who I enjoy, and I really hope that this is the last of a story like this that we see in a long time.
1: Well, I I have to say, you aren't alone. Kind of what I mentioned during the start of the episode, there have been quite a few negative reviews um, that have popped up around the web over the past couple days regarding this episode. Everything from crazy pseudoscience it doesn't make any sense to questioning whether or not this episode was really worthy of the doctor and Clara um just to bring up the writer again this is his first episode of Doctor Who uh never written another episode of Doctor Who though he has written quite a few other things um but this is his first go at Doctor Who it'll be interesting to see if he crops up later on um but yeah you're you're definitely not alone I'm holding out hopes though that this next episode, uh, "Mummy on the Orient Express," it, it looks like there are some some strange elements to it, uh, but it does look like there are some other very strong points of it um, that I'm looking forward to seeing how it pans out.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm still on board with Capaldi. I, the last two episodes have have discouraged me a little bit. I think we were on such a high from the first five episodes. You know, for me personally, I really enjoyed overall those five episodes, but the last two have been a disappointment, but it doesn't mean anything like, oh, now I'm like turning on Capaldi. I don't think it's necessarily Capaldi that's the problem. I think it's just the stories of the last two episodes. So I still have high hopes for him as the doctor. I still have high hopes for the rest of the season. I'm hoping this is just kind of a a little bit of a lull, Um, but and that these last two episodes aren't the norm of what we have to expect from the rest of the season.
1: It has put a little bit of distance between Capaldi and the 10th for me. I'm yes, not going to
0: lie. I, I agree. I, I really hope that they start to add a little bit more, uh, an, uh, another layer to this Doctor. Because he's starting to become a little bit of a a one-trick pony. And I'd like to see a little bit more than just this this mean Doctor. Um, it's not entertaining to me anymore. I want I want to see some some of the the heart in this doctor, and I hope it starts to come out.
1: Well, we shall see. We're only a couple days away from the next episode, and we'll see whether or not Claire is on the TARDIS, whether the doctor shows a little bit more heart, and if Missy shows back up.
0: I guess it would be hearts.
1: Hearts. He has two hearts. We need
0: more hearts and more math. Certain mass.
1: genetic makeup that allows him to last longer
0: than robin hood all right well i think this is a good time to wrap it up um i love doctor who just in case you guys were, <laughs> I, I do love doctor who i heart doctor who this is just a bad one for me you see what i did there i did i think there's, I think there's
1: a t-shirt ah there. foiled again <laughs> pesky kids
0: see what i did there scooby-doo callback <laughs> you're supposed to wait till after the credits to do the bloopers
1: oh sorry sorry right.
0: so as usual you can leave us a review on itunes if you are listening to our podcast and you enjoy it if you enjoy me bashing dr no. <laughs> if you enjoy us as a show we'd really appreciate it go over to itunes leave us a five-star review it'll help other fans of doctor who find our podcast um, you can also follow us on twitter at bad wolf podcast on facebook uh, bad wolf radio just search for us and you will find us we are the one with the black and white logo and you can send us feedback bad at gmail.com shoot us an email let us know what you think about this episode or any other episode that we've reviewed um and we would love to hear your thoughts but until next time
1: later days
0: You're such a (laughs) fanboy.
1: I'm not a fanboy.